0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Friends Wood, why don't you help me in welcoming our Houston campus right now? We're so glad to have you, Houston, and everybody joining online as well. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, I'm excited to continue uh, this series that we've been in called You Asked For It. Uh, Before this month started, we we gave you the opportunity to send in some of your toughest questions about faith, about the Bible, about God, about family. And we've loved going through the questions, and we've loved um, developing this sermon series from those questions. And if you sent in a question and we didn't address it, uh, we're very sorry, and next year we're going to do this again, and, and feel free to submit it again, but I'm going to do my best to personally respond as best I can to, to everyone that submitted a question, uh, but today I want to jump into a question that someone submitted, and really this isn't, this isn't uh, uncommon. This is something that, that you've probably asked yourself many times. This is probably a question that uh, even if you've grown up in church, even if you've grown up in, in Pentecostal church where, where there, are, there are a lot of moves of God, uh, you've probably asked yourself from time to time or you've gone through seasons of life wondering, why can't I feel God? Why can't I feel God? Where I, I come into service, I, I, I go through the, the motions just like everyone else, but for some reason I'm not feeling God the same way that everyone else seems to, to feel God. And maybe you, you start wondering or casting blame at, why is it that I can't feel God? Is it, is it God's fault that I, that I don't feel God? Is it, is it God's fault because the people around me seem to be feeling his presence, but, but I don't? Or is it the worship pastor's fault when they don't sing the songs that we like? Or is it my fault when I say something that, that is offensive, maybe? Or is it, is it because they ran out of coffee before you got here? I know that would put me in a bad mood. Some people seem to experience God's presence all the time and that can cause others to wonder why they're not experiencing it the same way. That can cause others to wonder why can't I feel God? Is he there? Is he even real? And you know, for me growing up, um, I grew up all my life going to Pentecostal church and it was very normal to be in an environment where you could feel God's presence and that people were moved by God's presence. And I, I believe that's part of the Pentecostal movement and, and embracing the gifts of the spirit and just the, the uh, expression of our worship, the way that we worship, the way that we are energetic. I, I think that's part of it is having those, those moments and those moves of God uh, that's very common in our services. And growing up, I also saw some weird and crazy stuff. Right? Y'all are going to have to loosen up just a little bit, all right? <laughs> I also saw some things that were just a little strange, and people would blame it on the presence of God or the power of God. You know, I've seen people uh, rolling around on the ground and busting their head on a wooden altar and bleeding all over the carpet of the church. And I stood there as a teenager wondering, why did God let that guy bust his head? God must be really upset with this guy if he was worshiping and this happened. I've seen people take off in a sprint and run into each other and you know that they're hurting the next day. You know they're bruised. You know that they're sore. Um... And you know what? I'll just say two words. And those of you who maybe grew up like me, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. Houston, you ready? Modesty blankets. Hey. Come on, y'all. Come on. Holy Spirit's not going to make you being modest. Hey, listen, I have experienced the presence of God at times in my life where it's so powerful. I have to get down on my knees. I have to lay on the ground and put my face in the carpet. I've had those moments where I could feel God's presence so powerfully that I had to do some unusual stuff. I had to jump around. I had to shout. Usually, when I have those kinds of encounters with with God, it's because I am recognizing my own sin. And a lot of the emotions that get stirred in those moments as I respond to the presence of God, I'm emotional because I realize how wretched I am. I'm emotional because I realize how wicked I am. And in light of my wickedness and in light of my sin, I'm realizing how good God is. Amen. Amen. And so in moments like that, there's a yes, there's a lot of emotions. And yes, it might it might cause me to do things that would seem strange. But that's me responding to what I feel is the presence of God. And I think a lot of times it's also, a, it's a natural thing. Of course, the presence of God is something that's supernatural, but we have natural responses to the presence of God. The emotions I'm talking about, that's a natural response. The, the, the regret, that repentant attitude of when we encounter the goodness of God, of how we just want to lay it all down and ask for God's forgiveness and maybe weep over our sin, and, and feel that anguish of our sin, that's a natural response to the supernatural presence of God. But can I tell you, I'm 33 years old, I've grown up in Pentecostal church, most of my life, most of the time, I don't have those overwhelming experiences in the presence of God. I don't walk around every day of my life weeping. I don't Go into Walmart as I'm shopping and shout for joy. I have felt like doing it sometimes. they shouting for other reasons in Walmart as well, but <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, I'm just doing my best to love my family and follow Jesus. That's what I'm doing on a daily basis. On the daily basis where I'm not having those supernatural encounters with God, when I'm not having those overwhelming emotional responses to God, every day I'm following after Him, I'm living, I'm trying my best to live my life in a way that I know is pleasing to Him according to His Word, and I'm just living an ordinary life like everyone else. But I've had many people come to me just in the the short time I've been pastor, in the last five or six years or so, people come to me and say and, and express I can't feel God the way that everyone else is is feeling God. I don't don't feel God. And and when I look around and I see people raising their hands and I see people singing and I see tears pouring down their face, guess what? I lift my hands and I sing. I don't feel anything though. I don't feel the things that other people seem to feel in the presence of God. And maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you have come to church now a few times or maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you've looked around sometimes during worship and there's some people that just seem so moved and so engaged and it it looks like God is, is dealing with them and you wonder, why am I not encountering God the same way? Maybe you hear stories like stories I just told you about my own experiences and you're wondering, why haven't I ever had an experience like that? Maybe you do see others, maybe you hear these stories and you're wondering why you can't feel God the same way and maybe you have started to think that because you're not having that kind of emotional response, that because you're not having the same kind of reaction as everyone else is around you, maybe you have started to believe that God is just very far away from you. Maybe you've said things like, I want to believe in God I want to believe in all of this. I just don't feel anything. What are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do when we don't feel the presence of God? Hey, this, this is a word I'm going to use a lot today. So if you would just indulge me. Can you just repeat after me? Houston, repeat after me. I want you to say this word, feel. feel. I'm going to change it up a little bit say feelings. feelings. What are we supposed to do when we don't feel The presence of God. The first thing is to know you're not alone. You're not alone. If you have been coming to church and you've been trying to, to give your life to God and you've been trying to follow after Jesus, but you're wondering why you're not feeling Him the same way that others seem to be feeling Him, you're not alone. And I'm not talking about you're not alone in the sense that there are other people in the room. Or that there are other Christians on, a, on, a, on their walk with, with God that are not feeling... I mean, even when we look in the Bible, some of the greatest people in Scripture went through whole seasons of their life where it felt like God was very far away, where they didn't feel His presence. Let's look at one of those situations in Psalm chapter 88, verse 13 and 14. This, the psalmist is crying out. He says, Lord, I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Every day I'm crying out to you, God. Why do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? This is someone who no doubt is devoted, committed. He's a follower of God. He's a psalmist. And he's saying, God, why do you feel so far away from me when I'm crying out to you? When I'm calling out to you? We look at the stories of King David. If you read the stories of King David, who was probably the the greatest leader other than Moses in the Old Testament of God's people, I mean, he went through so many situations in life. Read the Psalms that he wrote. He went through so many times in life where he couldn't feel God's presence. The Apostle Paul had an amazing encounter with Jesus Christ, a very physical, real encounter with Christ and then went the next 14 years traveling and wandering the earth, being persecuted, being beat up, being arrested. And you know, at times he wondered, Jesus, if you showed up at the beginning of this and, and called me to ministry and you made yourself real to me at the beginning, where are you now that I'm sitting in prison? Even Jesus, our Savior, hung on the cross and said, My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? You are not alone. The second thing that I want you to know, if you're wondering why can't I feel God, it's this. God's presence in your life will not always lead to an emotional and supernatural moment. I need need the saints that have been walking with God for, for many years to back me up. When you're walking with God... His presence in your life is not always going to lead to an emotional, supernatural moment. Amen. So let's talk about what the Bible says about the presence of God and why why sometimes we might not be feeling His presence. Possible reasons that we can't feel God. I want you to stick with me. A couple of these are going to, it might be uncomfortable for you. Possible reasons why you can't feel God is, number one, you might be over-sensationalizing God's presence. You might be over-sensationalizing it. Meaning, you think that every time you are in God's presence, it has to lead to this very supernatural emotional response. And that if you're not having that kind of response, then God's presence must not be near you. You might be over-sensationalizing God's presence. Perhaps you have just equated God's presence with what you're feeling. It becomes all about what you're feeling. And that if you don't feel anything, then God must be far away or he must not be real at all. And if you are over-sensationalizing God's presence, you probably have a hard time understanding what is your natural emotion and what is actually the presence of God. And I would even go as far as to say this. I believe, and we can. I'll look in Scripture in just a moment and show you, I believe it's a mistake. I believe it's a mistake for us to always expect and ask for and demand that in order for me to believe that God is in my life, I need a sign. I have to have the supernatural sign. I want to look at a story in the Bible. And there's people, these people are following Jesus around. They're following him. They're seeing miracles. He's feeding them. And they tell, they tell him, Jesus, we want to do the will of God. That's what these people say to him. Jesus, we want to do the will of God. So what are we supposed to do? Jesus replies, well, if you want to do the will of God, it's very simple. Believe in the one that he sent. That's what Jesus said. If you want to do the will of God, believe in me. Look at John chapter 6, verse 30. This is the response the people gave Jesus then. So they asked him, Okay, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do, Jesus, to impress us? What will you do, Jesus, to prove yourself to us? What will you do, God? Give me a sign. Give me a show. Do something supernatural, Lord, so that I can really know that you're with me. And I think it's a mistake for us as followers of Christ, for people who should be studying the word and reading God's word, and we can see the countless times that he promises never to leave us nor forsake us, that he promises to go before us, walk beside us, and walk behind us, that he is with us for us to then demand, God, if you're really with me, if you're really here, I need to see this. I know some people can crave that. Some people can get in this mindset where they always need a sign. They always need a sign from God as proof. And I would just offer to you today that any time in scripture that we see someone that is demanding signs from God, that's trying to argue or negotiate and say, God, if you really want me to do this, then I'm going to do this. And I want you to have this happen and all of these things. And that's how I'll know. Those people always had very little faith. That's not an example for us to follow. Those are people who had very little faith in God. And what they needed was God to prove himself to them. Maybe you have had those moments, because I know I have. I've had moments in my life where I've said, God, if this is really your will, do this. I remember being uh, in Afghanistan and, and struggling with faith at the time, 2011, when I was in the Marine Corps and, and, and looking up in the sky one night and really struggling and, and wondering if God was real. And so you know what I did? I said, God, if you really are real, Let me see a shooting star right now. You ever done anything like that? You can raise your hand. Come on. How many of you have asked for... And then like, think about how... like, Think about everything that goes into a star exploding and the light traveling across the universe at that exact moment that I'm looking up saying, God, let me see a shooting star. I didn't see a shooting star. But I've asked... I know that there's there's times like you want God give God if I'm really supposed to break up with him give me a sign. Well, he's really mean to you. That's the sign. There are some things in life that God has just given us common sense and wisdom and we don't have to hold back and wait. Well, I know my children are getting involved in something that's very harmful for them, but I'm going to wait until God gives me an opportunity to talk to them about it. No. Be their parent and go talk to them. Like there are some things that we should just know. I don't have to wait on a supernatural miracle and sign. I'm going to do what God's word already instructs me to do. And I'm going to take initiative on it. But maybe you think you have to feel something. Maybe again, it just comes back to our feelings. We have to feel something in order for us to be convinced that God is there. Feelings are not the evidence of God's presence. Feelings are not the evidence of God's presence. Sometimes I stand here in worship and as a response to how beautiful God is and how good he's been to me and everything that he's brought me through, you know what? I'll cry. And then when I'm at home and I'm watching a Disney movie with my daughter and the prince says something very heroic, I'll cry. I'm just saying feelings are not evidence of God's presence. I'll give you an example, okay? Um, a couple of years ago, I was ordained as a minister by uh, uh, an organization called Destiny. Uh, it's an um, amazing organization. I'm so thankful and grateful to be to be part of it and that they would ordain me as a minister. Uh, so I traveled to Louisiana at a conference where where uh, the ordination ceremony or ordination service was happening. And I was in the altar area, had my parents with me, I had my family with me. And these amazing like giants of faith, these men came, anointed me with oil, they're praying over me. And you know what? I felt like garbage. I was sick. I had gone all the way there to Louisiana for this conference and slept in the hotel the whole time. I was just miserable. And I mustered as much strength as I could to go to the ordination service. And the whole time, I was miserable, didn't feel great, I couldn't think straight. I mean, I barely remember even standing there, it was like I was in a haze, like my mind was just foggy, I was tired, I didn't feel anything except miserable, but you cannot tell me that God's presence was not part of that event. God was part of that event, he was part of that moment, he was overseeing it. In that moment, and I am a hundred percent confident that even though I didn't feel great, God was with me in that moment. Amen. So possible reasons why you can't feel God. Number one, we just talked about maybe you're oversensationalizing it, maybe you equate it to just a supernatural moment and a very emotional moment. The other reason is this, and, and this is the section that might prick your heart a little bit, or I might step on your toes right here, so just roll with me through this. It might be that your heart has hardened. One of the reasons why you might not be feeling God is because maybe your heart has hardened. The Bible talks about people who have hearts that have hardened towards God. That have hardened towards God's truth. Even Jesus talks about people like this in Matthew chapter 13 verse 14. He's having this whole exchange. I encourage you just go read Matthew chapter 13. He's having this exchange with people and his disciples and he's trying to teach them. Some people aren't understanding what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says in Matthew 13, 14, in them, the people who don't understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. These people who have harden their hearts towards God, towards his word, by assuming that they know better than God. By embracing a lifestyle and embracing choices that God's word clearly talks about and and categorizes as sin, those people have decided, I don't care what that says, I know what's right for me. And what happens as a result is your heart becomes hardened towards God. God. And maybe you are a Christian and you've allowed your heart to harden and it could be multiple reasons. Maybe it was betrayal. Maybe it was hurt. Maybe it was church hurt. Maybe it was gossip. Maybe it was rumors. Maybe you're holding on to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. And when you come to church, there's people sitting on the other side of the building, There's people sitting on the other side of the auditorium from you that you have so much resentment and anger towards that right now that's standing between you and God. Did you know that the Bible says that if we are unwilling to offer for forgiveness to someone, that God would withhold forgiveness from us? So it could be those things, but the number one cause of a hard heart, the number one cause of a hard heart is this. Ongoing sin and an unrepentant heart. Let me explain what I mean. Maybe there is a sin in your life right now. And you're aware of it. And you know what the Bible says about it. And you're not confessing that sin. And you're not confronting that sin in your life. And you're keeping it hidden. It's like your pet. Nobody knows about it but you. And you know it's wrong. And at times you felt conviction about it. And when you look at the word of God, honestly, you see where God stands on it. But you decide, no, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to keep doing this. I know that God will forgive me. I know he's going to forgive me if I ask him, so I'm just going to keep on doing this what that's going to lead you to is separation from God and a hardened heart towards His presence, towards His Word, towards God's truth. Ongoing sin with an unrepentant heart. Maybe you've justified it by saying things like, well, the Word of God is just outdated. It's just old-fashioned. It's not relevant anymore. That's going to lead to a hardened heart towards God. That's going to cause you to elevate yourself. Listen, the first sin in the Bible was Eve elevating herself to be like God. Pride. Eve thinking, I know what's best. I can decide for myself what is good and what is right. I don't care what God says. That was the very first sin. If there's something in your life that you know goes against the word of God and you're keeping it as a pet, you need to confess it and you need to repent and you need to allow God to turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Soften your heart. I want you to think about, um, this isn't true for Houston, but uh, think of somewhere where it's very cold, right? Like for me, Colorado. Like if I could just drop everything and move to Colorado, God... Just when I retire, that's probably where I'm going to wind up, in the mountains somewhere, chopping trees down. Just kidding, I will still need Wi-Fi to play Call of Duty, all that. (laughs) So I want you to imagine you're somewhere very cold, right? If you're going to walk out into the cold, you're going to bundle up, aren't you? You're going to put on layers. You're going to put on a big coat. You're going to put on as much as you can so that when you walk outside, you don't feel the cold, right? Now, I want you to imagine that Ongoing sin with an unrepentant heart. You're basically bundling up and covering yourself up in sin. And it's keeping you from feeling the presence of God. You you walk into church every Sunday with your pet hidden. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the thoughts you think. Nobody knows the things you look at when no one's around. Nobody knows the things you're getting into except you. And yes, God knows, but he loves you anyways. You bundle yourself up with sin... And sin is what separates you from God. So today is a day where you can confess, where you can repent, and where you can shed those things and allow God to start working on your heart. Step out of your feelings and walk in God's truth. Step out of your feelings. You feel like this is okay. You feel like this is right. What does God's word say? Walk in God's truth, not in your feelings. Possible reasons why you can't feel God. Maybe you're over sensationalizing God's presence. Maybe your heart has become hardened. Or maybe God wants you to draw closer to him. Maybe God just wants you to draw closer to him. Let's read Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 13 and 14. It says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is God speaking. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God will be found by you if you seek him with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. There you go. And will bring you back from captivity. The sin that you're bound in right now, the lifestyle, the mistakes, the shame, the pain, the things, the, the cycle of life that keeps chewing you up and spitting you out, God says, I will bring you back from that. I will gather you from all nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Sometimes what God wants is for you to draw closer to Him so He will let us walk through our own mistakes. He will let us experience the consequences of our sin in this life. Don't you know that sin has consequences not just in eternity? We'll talk about eternity next week. But don't you know your sin has consequences in this life? And even when Jesus forgives you and washes you and justifies you and you are saved, you're going to be dealing with the consequences of your sin in this life. I am still dealing with the consequences of sin that happened 10, 8 years ago. Still walking in those things. And sometimes God will allow us in our mess to get to this place of desperation so that we will draw closer to him. Pursue God and he will reveal himself to you. Maybe God is wanting you to draw closer to him because so far you've just been coasting in your faith. Maybe so far you've just been going through the motions. Maybe so far you like having the community and you like having the friends, but you don't like what God's word has to say about your life. Maybe right now you like the hype, you like the music, you like the fun, but you're not sure about all the changes that Jesus is calling you to make as you follow after him. You see what God said is you're going to find me whenever you pursue me and seek me with all your heart. How many of us have truly abandoned everything and followed after God? Now this is what I, this is what I believe. We look in scripture and we see that anytime, anytime someone who is a sinner and has, is far from God turns towards God, God runs to them. God runs to them. But what sense does it make for God to run all the way to you in your mess and say, thanks for meeting me here, God. I want to stay. I would like to stay right here where I'm at in this mess. I know I'm eating what the pigs eat and I'm covered in mud and I'm filthy. And I really appreciate that you ran all the way here to to meet me in my mess. But I'd like to just stay right here. I don't want to come back with you. I don't want to follow after you. I I don't want to live the life that you have for me. I'll take the forgiveness, though. I definitely want the forgiveness. But I'm content living the way I want to live. God says when you pursue him with all your heart, you will find him. Maybe God is calling you to draw closer to him. Maybe God is calling you to get serious about following after him. And the amazing thing is, some of that sounded harsh. Guess what? Jesus will forgive you for everything every time you ask him. it's, It's unfathomable. That every time you ask God with an honest repentant heart, God please forgive me, I know I'm wicked and wretched and I have these sins, please forgive me. He forgives you every time. He will never stop calling you to follow him. He will never stop calling you to live the life that he has called you to live. And guess what, it's the best life you could ever live. Instead of viewing things as, oh, I have to give up this and that and I can't have fun anymore. You get to live the best life God, the creator of the universe ever, uh, you could ever live. It's a life of fulfillment. It's a life of purpose. It's a life where you're making a difference. It's a life where you're breaking chains of generational curses for your family, for your children. It's the best life you could ever live. So get out of your feelings. Activate your faith. Get out of your feelings and activate your faith. You can't feel God pursue him with all your heart. You will find him. Just because you do not feel him does not mean that he's absent. So let's talk about feelings. Guess what? Feelings are not fact. Your feelings, our feelings are not fact. They are not true. Feelings will fool you and they'll make a fool out of you. If you are constantly trusting in your own feelings, your own emotions, it's going to lead you down a road you don't want to go. It's going to lead you down a road of pride and arrogance and regret and shame and pain. Your feelings are not facts, So get out of your feelings. Activate your faith. Will you ever feel the supernatural presence of an awe-inspiring God. Will you ever come into a service and feel the presence of the God that created the universe? Sometimes. Sometimes you will. Other times, it's going to be you living an ordinary life, following after Jesus, and looking for God in the ordinary things. I see God in ordinary life, everyday simple moments. Can I tell you, even yesterday. Yesterday I had a beautiful day with my family. We went to the pool. We had fun. And I just remember coming back home, sitting on my couch, have my beautiful wife who's expecting our baby boy next month. Both my daughters in the house playing, laughing, and I just felt God in that moment. And it wasn't overwhelming, and there was nothing supernatural about it, and there was nothing emotional other than me just loving my family. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, I could see, God, this is, this is your plan. Yes. Yeah. This is the life you, you've called me to as a husband, as a father. This is what you've called me to. As this. Thank you, God, for being in this. Yes. I feel, God, when I pray over my daughter... As she goes to sleep at night, am I weeping and travailing and speaking in tongues? Not always, sometimes. (laughs) But I just ask God, Lord, protect her mind from harm. Protect her mind from insecurity. Protect her body. Protect her heart. You have a call, you have a purpose on her life. Guard it, Lord. Put your angels around her. And I don't, sometimes I'm tired. And sometimes I'm like, okay, doing this. God help her, touch her. But you know what? I know God is in that moment. I watched Imogene. She's 20, 21 months old, she's learning, she's growing, she's saying new words. I see God in that moment. Yes. I felt God when Lauren told me she was pregnant, and you know what I did? I went over and put my hand on her stomach. I said, "Lord, give me a son. I want to raise a man of God." Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see God in the ordinary, everyday, simple moments like God holding the universe together so that as many people as possible can turn to Him. How about this one? I see God in everyday, ordinary moments because I know that Jesus died for me. God doesn't have to do anything for me. God doesn't have to prove Himself to me. Christ Died for me. Christ died for you. And most of the time, you're not going to have feelings in God's presence. But what you can do is acknowledge. That God is with you in every part of your life. Because when you start thinking God's presence is about your feelings. Then you think church service is the only time to experience God. Or your time of worship or prayer by yourself is the only time you're going to experience God. When the reality is God's presence is with you when you go into work and you cuss out your coworker, And when you get fed up with your kids. Like what I'm saying is God's presence goes with you everywhere. He is with you. And we don't have to always look for the emotional, supernatural signs. We can just trust that he's with us. And we can follow after him. And we can surrender our lives to him. And we can do our very best, because we're going to mess up. And nobody's perfect. But we can do our very, very best to live the life that he's called us to live. Jesus died for our sins. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. This is the angel coming to mary and and announcing the birth of christ she will give birth to a son this is him speaking to joseph you she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name jesus because he will save his people from their sins i love this scripture so much and every time i read it even though it's not in my notes i have to like i have to point out one thing it doesn't say if you'll leave 21 up there It says Jesus will save his people from their sins. It doesn't say that Jesus will forgive people of their sins. In other words, it doesn't say that Jesus has come to forgive you so that you can keep on sinning, but he's going to just keep forgiving you. He's come to save you from the power of your sin. Meaning he's come to allow you to leave that sin, to turn away from the sin, to walk away from the things that are destroying you. He's come to save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. In verse 23 it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which the language translates to God with us. This is something that has been foretold, the angel says, through the prophet Isaiah, that the child that she is going to give birth to is going to be God with us with us and that's still true for you and I today you might not feel it all the time you might think the Pentecostal experience is wacky and you don't want to have anything to do with it that's okay that's okay because God's going to reveal himself to you in a way that's real for you when you pursue him if you don't feel God maybe you've over sensationalized it maybe your heart has hardened Or maybe God wants you to draw closer to Him. So what's the next step? What are we going to do? We're going to draw near to Him. We're going to call on Jesus in everyday ordinary situations. As you walk into work, Lord, give me the peace, patience, wisdom, courage, confidence that I need today to work in a way that would honor you. When you're at home, Lord, give me the strength that I need after a long day of work. Give me the strength that I need as a father to be the kind of father my children need me to be. To be the husband my wife needs me to be. God, I'm feeling pretty miserable right now. I just need you to be with me. Let's draw near to him. Let's, let's call on him. Let's seek him. Let's seek to do his will. Is it too much to ask for us to lay aside our own opinions of how We should live and lay aside our own ideas of what is good living or what is okay or what is right and say, you know what, even though I really believe that it's okay to do this and even though I really believe that I'm going to be all right and and God's still going to use me and even though I know I have this thing and God's going to forgive me and thanks for the forgiveness, God, maybe we could just remove those and say, God, just have your way Be fully open and transparent to God. Say, God, have your way in my life. Allow God to challenge us. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like to ask the prayer team at Houston to go ahead and and come to the front here at Friendswood, I know we have a couple of prayer team partners. I would ask the prayer team here at Friendswood to just go to the, the back of the room if we could, please. And Kendra and Hillary, you guys might need to help with that as well. But if we could have our prayer team at the back of the auditorium here in Friendswood, I want to talk about what we're supposed to do now. What's our next steps? Here's your next step. If you are someone who has oversensationalized your expectation of God's presence, today you should profess your faith. If you are someone who has always looked for the sign or you feel like God is not near you because you don't have the response that everyone else is having, having today you should profess your faith. Today you should say, God, I trust and believe that you are with me even though I can't feel you. I know that you walk with me. I know that you will never forsake me and God, you don't have to prove yourself to me if you are someone who has allowed your heart to harden because you've decided to hold on to sin instead of seeking God, today you can confess, you can repent, which repent just means turn away. I know it's a scary church word. Repent just means just turn away. Just leave that sin. Just leave it. You can confess, repent, and you can turn towards God. And here's something that we all need to do. Regardless of where we're at in our walk of faith, regardless of where we land on these categories I'm talking about, we all need to draw closer to God. But you know you can never get close enough. You can never get too close. Draw closer to God. If you have grown up going to church and you know all the stories and you know all the rules and you think that's enough, you need to draw closer to God. If you're caught up in a mess right now, if you're caught up in pain and shame and hurt and regret, you need to draw close to God. I'm going to say a prayer over Friendswood, over Houston campus. I'm going to say a prayer. As soon as I'm done with the prayer, I'd like to hand it back over to Pastor Andrew there at the Houston campus for y'all to have a time of worship and prayer together. So why don't we just pray together? Lord Jesus, We thank you that you stick closer than a brother. God, you showed your love for us in this way, that when we chose sin over you, you pursued us. You sent your son to die for us. What was the purpose of that? It's so that you can be with us again. You desire so much to live with us and our response should be gratitude and love that says, Lord, I want to live with you as well. I want to follow after you. Lord, I just pray right now for every heart in this place. Holy Spirit, work on our hearts. Start to reveal things. Show us the ways that we are grieving you, Lord. Holy Spirit, let us feel your love and forgiveness and your peace and the joy that you bring and the hope that you bring, the comfort that you bring. For the people that have walked in today at Friendswood and at Houston that are lonely, suffering, broken, hurting, and they don't know where to turn, let them see. They can turn to you and you are there. For those of us who have tried to do it our own way, who have tried to elevate our own thinking and tried to elevate our own feelings, help us to set those things aside so that we can surrender to you, Lord. Help us as a church. Help us as a church family. Let Life Church be a church that is full of men and women. And elders and young adults and students and children that want to draw closer to you we want you in every part of our lives we want you in the little moments we want you in the moments where we're tired or confused or angry or upset we need your comfort and your peace and your wisdom we want you every day all day we want to seek after you we want to live in your presence we want to walk in your presence Lord help us to see help us to know help us to have assurance and confidence strengthen our faith so that we know that even when we don't feel it we know you are with us even when it feels like you're far away you're right there with us Lord thank you for your goodness thank you for your mercy It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.